This is Dr. Zainyao, and you're also Dr. Liz. Ooh. Maybe we should always remember to introduce ourselves like that now. You want to always say doctor? I don't know, but like maybe for a while we should sort of try to get used to it. Yeah. Um, to try and own our authority. It's so interesting. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> yeah. That's Because I have to admit, there's this one guy who sent me an email asking to be mentored, and uh, you know, he said Miss Wayne. You know, if he say Liz, I wouldn't even care, but now I'm like, mm, I should say something, you know, like just so you know. Anyway, this is Dr. Liz Wayne. <laughs> Dr. Liz. Dr. Liz is like Dr. Phil. Like, I'm about to give you some advice and, like, change your life. Yeah, Dr. Liz of Wayne Enterprises, no True. less. <laughs> and that's another story, Nango. You got to hear about that one. Anyway, the introduction is super yes. long at this point. I think y'all get it. We are the PhDs, and we have, like, a super, super <laughs> special guest who I'm really excited. And actually, I've never met formally, but I just spent, like, the last you know, three days stalking her electronically. Um, <laughs> so amazing. Her stage name is Samus? Samus. Yeah. Okay. Her stage name is Samus, um, but she goes by Anango, and I can't remember her yeah. last name. I'm so sorry. Um, but welcome to the show. What would you like to be called, Hi. by the way, by your stage name or Anango? Um, whatever you're comfortable with, I guess because this is like a, a setting in which I'm talking about like, you know, multiple parts of my identity, I guess, and all sure. is fine. We were gonna um, it's really funny because some, some people only know me yeah. as Samus mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and like for the longest time, I was like, wait, what? Like, I, what is this? <laughs> like, I just rap as Samus. I don't know why that's what yeah. you think my real name is. But. Well, I'm gonna call you Anango then. So welcome to the show. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I feel like this has been a long time coming. We were, we tried yeah. to coordinate something with Anango before, but she's been doing so many awesome so things, many um, things, like uh, what, South by Southwest, so many oh, other yeah. concerts, <laughs> like all over the place at different cons and stuff like that. For those of you who don't know, um, Samus has been described what as the Aisha Tyler rap. I yeah. think it was the, the phrase <laughs> that I saw, um, being like, uh, awesome black girl nerdness. Yeah. Um, she's also a PhD mm -hmm. candidate at Cornell in Science and Technology Studies. Ooh, um, I've, uh, I guess I've known you for a while now. Yeah, yeah. how do you yeah. guys know each um, other? Years. Maybe through Dexter. Mm. Probably through Dexter. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember I think I first came across you because I think that um, when your music video for Games and Cartoons came out, yeah. like maybe which was like my second year here, yeah. and it was I I saw it because I was friends with Dexter, and for those our long term listeners, Dexter was our very first producer, yeah. who was the one who oh, encouraged yeah, no. me to, to <laughs> even do the, the podcast to begin with. That's so so cool. like, um, but then like he posted it because he's like, oh, I'm in this music video, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this uh, this person is really cool, and also like, okay, Dexter, our friend, who's now a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist at the LA but Times, but in the like, movie, his part in is the video, hilarious. he's totally not interested. Which I don't see how that's possible. Yeah, because I see this thing where instead of like paying attention to the gorgeous woman that is Nongo here, he just like Pulled brought out, like three different handheld consoles. And yeah, and yeah. I was like, and the that's, that's so real. Isn't and that real life though? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's But then story. like after that, like. <laughs> And also, but the very thing, so I've known Anango for a number of years, but I have sort of anxiety around going to listen to live music. So I only actually uh, got to go see her perform maybe like this past month where she, when she's playing for a mental health benefit concert downtown, which was yeah. absolutely awesome. And then I saw her at Ithaca Fest and yeah. I was like, oh, no wonder, like my friends are talking for years about <laughs> what an amazing live performer. I shouldn't have just been like, like, like watching your music videos oh, and listening no. to your stuff. That's but, totally yeah. cool. Like I said, I'm like... If I were not doing the rap stuff, I would not be outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so comfortable on my couch, just in my own little world. So I completely, completely understand. Yeah, I also wanted to point out, like, I decided to wear this t-shirt oh, today. Oh, I'm sorry, you no, no, this, this is too high to be my crotch. No, Thank you very you much, Liz. No, but you kind of like, lifted up a little bit. Like, you did this. Okay, there's some context that might have to be edited out. Which is, I was texting Liz as I was walking up here, and I just no, told her that, like, be I realized edited. I put a... It was a serious issue. No. I got this text okay, message that she's walking towards you. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Wait, no, I don't need to paraphrase because I have... You could just look at your messages? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So, also, oh, my God. No, she said OMG. Also, OMG, I just realized the pants I'm wearing have a huge hole in the crotch. I thought I threw these out. <laughs> Can't turn back and change since on campus now. <laughs> I know. Anyway. That's real life. That was amazing. So, You're welcome, Zion. I know. 
this is why I don't wear pants usually. That's like, why. This is why I usually wear dresses. Why. I don't have to worry about hold. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so now I've decided to wear pants, and look what look what's become of me. It's a sign. <laughs> it's a definite sign. <laughs> Anyways, I wasn't showing her my crotchless. I was showing her my t-shirt because. Um, so Samus gets her name from uh, the protagonist in Metroid, the first like major female pro uh, game protagonist, who, yeah. which is one of the, also the Nintendo flagship. Um, yeah. franchises and yeah. I'm wearing a t-shirt which is Legend of Zelda which is the one of the other original yeah. Nintendo franchises mm -hmm. to show my my loyalty to that so exciting I'm so yeah. happy yeah <laughs> I really like this shirt so why don't we start with um something that we often ask our interviewees um because often they're they're all PhD students or in somehow in that mm -hmm. transition and they also do something amazing <sighs> yeah. outside of their lives and um you know outside mm -hmm. the academy and maybe since a lot of people know you as Samus, um, why don't yeah. we talk about like what do you why did you like what do you do as a PhD student and and why? Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I um, am in the science and technology studies department, and um, often when I tell people that, they're like, "What does that mm -hmm. even mean? Um, how do you study all of science and technology?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Well, no, it's not quite that." Um, so I actually became interested in this field in undergrad. I attended Cornell oh, for undergrad as well. Um, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, you really like Ithaca. And I'm like, no, my mom, she's a professor here. So I was able to go to school for yeah. significantly less yeah. money. <laughs> so that's what I love, not mm -hmm. Ithaca, New York. Um, so I um, was taking a lot of sociology classes in undergrad. Um, and they, I found out that they were cross-listed with a lot of science and technology studies classes. Um, there's similar topics that are discussed, um, sort of like... Um, social construction or social production of, of like um, technologies that we're mm -hmm. used to or how, how science is a socially constructed thing, how forms of knowledge um, are the end result of like negotiations between mm. different groups or different um, uh, kinds of, of, of like individuals. And so I thought that was like fascinating. I didn't even know that that was a thing that could be studied. Um, and so I wrote my senior um, thesis about um, like uh, digital music production and like gender and mm -hmm. networks and how, how basically I was interested in how women learn to make beats in spaces that are not wow. open to them. Um, because it's like, it's, it's mm -hmm. at least in my experience, it was through very informal mm -hmm. networks. And it's like, if, if I'm trying to learn this thing and there are all of these gatekeepers, yeah. how, <laughs> how do I even get in on the ground floor? people don't just go like, oh, you um, know what? You probably can hold a really good beat or keep a good beat. Like people just don't yeah. include you in that the same way they do with men. Yeah, that's actually really true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it came very much from my personal experience. And the only reason why I learned how to make beats was my, my older brother one summer, he sat me down and was like, this is how you make beats. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like for people that don't have that, what is their, their entry point? How can they get involved? And, and like also what does it mean to not never see yourself represented yeah. you know, if, you're a, a, if you don't look like how a quote-unquote producer You know how many look, videos you, know? you see of little kids, like little boys who just get it, like they're mm -hmm. like, here's yep. a piano, you can go make some beats and like never. Yeah. Or do you see women of any age being kind of in that, yeah. you know, being represented that way? But it's almost like exactly. men have the natural, really young. the natural ability, right? Again, like little kids are doing this and then, mm -hmm. yeah, that's really mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes naturalized very easy or yeah. very early. Like they, they have this innate ability. Like, no, you were just introduced to it. <laughs> so that's why you know how to do all this stuff. Um, and so I then left Cornell for um, two and a half years. I, I was a core member in Teach for America, mm -hmm. which is like a, a teaching national teaching program. I taught um, third and fourth grade math and science, and I'm so thankful they didn't make me teach any grade that was older than that because I would have gotten my behind <laughs> handed to me. Be my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Those kids, I I bless their hearts. I love them so much, but they really like, whew, they tested me. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make some different beats on uh, different drums. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, nice. So, nice <laughs> working on the Thoreau quotation. Yeah, I appreciate. I, I no, because next we're working the Henry David Thoreau saying. <laughs> what did he say? It's like, but marching by the beat of a different drummer is like a line from. <laughs> Sorry, this might be. Anyway, like, I thought you were doing a literary what? thing. He's the guy. Never mind. Right? Moving right along. Moving right along. It worked, though. It worked. Um, 
Yeah, I have great, great energy together. It's wonderful. Um, but uh, so then after that, I was like, okay, I don't want to be yeah. an elementary school yeah. teacher. <laughs> um, what's the next step? And so I had emailed with my advisor who was here um, helping with my thesis. And I talked to him about grad school. He was happy to provide a recommendation. And so I went back into the science and technology studies department. Um, and again, thinking that I would focus around sort of these issues of gender and music mm -hmm. production. Um, and uh, I, I guess to... I kind of talked a little bit about science and technology studies. I don't know, would you like me to talk a little bit more about what the field means more broadly, or do you feel like you have a sense of... Because I know it's not it's not a field that a lot of people come across, um, and, and I don't want to make assumptions mm -hmm. about it either. I um, think I think it would be good, because definitely, um, because, of course, I'm in humanities and Liz and STEM, like our, I think our really listenership comes from... Sort of. Yeah, it's really it's interesting. Yeah, I think, be, I think that um, all, of, all of our viewer, listenership yeah, would really appreciate Yeah, why don't you really explain the science, technology, and society as a field, what it means. Yeah, totally. So I think um, the way that I can frame it is that in the um, 60s and 70s, a lot of um, like scientists and social scientists started um, not, not questioning, but like thinking more deeply about what constitutes scientific knowledge. Why are some theories um, uh, uh, take on more weight or are able to, to um, kind of uh, have more momentum than others and, and what are the factors that result in that? And, and what emerged out of that was this discussion that um, the knowledge that we, we have about this world is, is often socially constructed in nature in the sense that um, it's the end result of like discussions that, that people have about what like what constitutes reality. I'm not, I don't, You're I feel doing I'm not a doing fantastic a great job. job. I'm describing. No, this is great. <laughs> Um, and, and so a lot of that came about when people wanted to study like scientific controversies, for example, or like how technologies come about and, and questioning like what it means to have the quote unquote best technology and recognizing that best is often in relation to a particular mm -hmm. group. Mm -hmm. So um, like there's a famous study my, my advisor did with um, uh, this another kind of social scientist around the history of the bicycle and they kind of map out how the bicycle got its features and why certain things like the you know the big wheel the white the bike with the big wheel and the small wheel mm -hmm. like why those things didn't why that bike didn't proliferate and and um, how assumptions around gender or, or all of these things get get um, built into the technologies that we consume um, and so those are the kinds of questions and concerns that STS is is interested in and so that results in uh, people studying a whole bunch of stuff under mm -hmm. the umbrella of STS. So I have friends who study like vaccines. Right. I have oh. friends who study auto tune because <laughs> it's all under this <laughs> this umbrella of how do we understand this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes T-Pain is a part of that discussion very much. What so. Does, what, so what does your field look like? Because I also realize like I think everyone I know in STS is a woman of color. Is that actually no. really? No. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> My very selective socializing, I guess. Wow, that's pretty good. Like that is not what Alexis. <laughs> yeah, I, in um, undergrad, no, I, no. I um, like they make you take. I, I went to Penn, and they make you take, you know, like your other distributive requirements. Mm -hmm. And I studied physics, and so I got into STS. Mm -hmm. But I think it's like oh, awesome. science now. It's STSC. I forgot, but you know, it's the same major that you're talking about. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, I was actually a little, not upset, but I kind of wasn't, I wasn't somebody who went in going, I'm going to have three majors and like a two minors. And mm -hmm. I didn't plan that out. And I didn't realize until the end of my, until my senior year that this major required um, like six favorite science courses and then like a few other mm -hmm. extra courses, which I had actually already taken because yeah. I was interested. And I could have actually doubled major yeah. and just done like the capstone senior thesis mm -hmm. if wow. I just like thought yeah. about it a little more. But, um, but yeah, it's a really interesting field. And I'm actually, I was just also thinking about yeah. how you said SDS kind of emerged in the 70s, 60s or 70s. And I think that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense given that um, the way that the U.S. has started to fund their science programs really started in mm -hmm. 1950. And there's this huge debate about who was going to be mm -hmm. able. So first of all, they decided, oh, shit, science helped us solve World War II, right? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Me, yeah. Like, oh, maybe we should do this. Because before then, it was just mm -hmm. people who had lots of money, like philanthropists, um, saying, like, oh, I have mm. this, study this. So the U.S. government decides to do that. Yeah. And then it comes a huge issue of, well, who are we going to fund? Who gets to be in charge of that? And 
I mean, right, historically, right. there's some other things that are happening, and the way that we fund, why, the way science is funded now is basically because uh, Vanderbilt Bush was an asshole and didn't, and mm-hmm. uh, he wanted things a certain way. FDR really liked him, but the other guy who mm-hmm. had an idea, you know, it was another idea, but then FDR dies. Harry Truman doesn't like Vanderbilt Bush, so so this whole idea of scientists doing all of the work gets that gets cut, mm-hmm. and the way that we see research being funded now is really implicative of pol- politics and other things. But more importantly, also mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, right around the time that we're actually starting to actually make a make science a U.S. like a national government investment. That's a mm. random. That's a random story, yeah, but it no. seems like it's really a natural evolution because the, again, NSF, um, NIH, those are all agencies that started right around that time and before it completely changed mm-hmm. the way that we think about science funding or, and to that extent, the yeah. way the government gets involved because then it's like, are we doing this for the hell of it, which is what some people want to do, which is like, let's just study whatever right. we want, or should it always have some use for society? I mean, that's like, yeah. again, that yeah. goes all the way back to the very beginning. Big questions. Anyway, that's so yeah. cool. Anyway, so that's what I knew about. I didn't really know the SDS. Yeah, I was going to yeah. add, like, maybe Liz, for the other side, I think what's interesting is talking about the timing of the rise of SDS. On the one hand, you're talking like, more from the STEM side exactly. about government funding. But, of course, like, in the 60s, we have, like, the rise of, like, critical yeah. ethnic studies, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the rise of, feminist like, feminist gender, yeah. and gender sexuality studies. Yeah. So you can sort of see as confluence of both the funding on the one side as well as what we call the so-called culture wars mm-hmm. of a lot of stuff that I study. And, like, that, this is really like, the meeting of both, like, the push to STEM but also the critique of, like, the yeah. social... Um, uh, the con- social construction and the politics and power behind yeah, that push, yeah. right? So, totally. Like, this is so exciting. All these, like, right between right us. Right yeah. <laughs> I think this means that one day we're all, you know, we should get together and, um, you know, like have a project. This would be really cool. Yes. And maybe one day we can <laughs> that make would be beats so cool. Too, you know, I'm like a, I'm a baby. Drummer. I will definitely. I, I was in band, I was the symbol person. Like, I was the random noise person. <laughs> I was the like, you need some bells. You need like the shimmer. I got this. I got the symbols. I'm gonna rub them and I like, got you. I got you. That was me, because um, that was all I knew how so to do. Funny. And actually, when the like a male drummer, he took me under his wing, so to speak. He was so good, yeah. and he didn't. I felt like a. No, I knew I didn't know how to play. I didn't know how to play at all. I mean, I just wanted to be in band. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's another story. I really wanted. <laughs> I. I wanted to be like a drum major, a drum, like a majorette. I'm from the South. Yeah. Like I wanted to be the Southern band. Okay, yeah, I just yeah. wanted to twerk with no clothes on, <laughs> like barely any clothing. Twerk on the team. Yeah, twerk on the official team. That's what I wanted. And then it, life changed. That's but, so um, funny. So he was actually very good. Like he can have like five different beats at one time. Kind of good. He actually reads sheet music kind of good. Like, um, wow. and I was just like. A, B, C, D. Like, it was just so basic. And so he would come over and, like, hey, help me do this. And, like, we would actually start ad-libbing. And then I, once I got more comfortable, it was super That's fun. Cool. But the whole time, I was like, he's going to realize I don't know what I'm doing. And he's not going to try what to let days? me do <laughs> Yeah, I feel that's really funny you mentioned that. I was telling someone recently, just a little aside, how I like joined the track team in seventh grade because I like the uniforms. <laughs> I, like, I, hate, I hate running. I hate running with a passion. But I no, it was just like a like a track suit. I just love the track suit so much. So I was a very petty child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> team petty. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I was very much. And I think I quit like three days later. I was like, okay, I got my uniform. I'm out of here. Anymore. Like, honestly, I'm done with y'all. I mean, that's so, about right for the age So I range. feel you. Just, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Like, let's see. Should we ask about like, hmm, there's so many things we could talk ask you about, like like growing up, being a nerd, or well, music how did you... songs, or. So, I mean, well, I was going to say that I think it's really interesting we talk about your research because... Mm-hmm very often what we like here's what we do scholarly academically and then there's something almost like and it seems to be tangential but when people explain it it makes perfect sense why they do mm. what they do like outside like and it seems mm-hmm. like your music really ties into that but where did music really start for you I'm sure it started before the yeah, academy um, definitely <laughs> <laughs> definitely well I mean almost sort of not because so both my parents yeah, are okay. professors Fair so enough. they I I was like a little academic kid, and I, I did. Was they on try to teach you calculus at age three or something like that. No, thank, <laughs> God. Mine, thank God. If they I ever have children, are, are they what disciplines are they in? Oh, yeah. so my uh, my mom is in the Africana okay. Studies department, 
and my dad is in um, he does political science and so I, I, they didn't try to teach me calculus, but I did get all these, like, my first black power books. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> a little guy got so many you were those. A I was baby. just be mad at a school. A woke and petty baby. <laughs> I was a woke baby. A, a woke, very petty baby. Um, but so I, in terms of music, I definitely got into wanting to make it based on my older brother. He was, like, my, my biggest hero. I just mm-hmm. loved him so much. And so everything he did, Aww. I wanted to. I just followed him around. I was his little clone. Um, and so he, um, he's an incredible, he's a self-taught guitarist and he, um, uh, he learned how to play piano. Um, he took lessons. I think I took lessons for three days and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I know I was a quitter. I quit taking piano lessons and then I, but I still wanted to make music. And so my bro- older brother taught me some kind of basic music theory, like here's how you do chords and, um, showed me how the, like piano translated to guitar so I was able to make sense of like okay this is kind of a universal thing um like the notes that I'm playing here can translate to other places um Mm -hmm. and so I used to make like very very stupid silly songs with my younger brother on our little like Casio (laughs) keyboard um and I didn't think it wasn't something that I was like I want to grow up and be a a musician when I get older and I don't think my parents were about that life either they were like okay you can (laughs) That's another story. That's a whole different thing. Um, And so, yeah. (laughs) Professor parents. African parents, nonetheless. African professor parents. It was uh, interesting. So, anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I kind of, it was like a hobby. And then in high school, um, as I mentioned, I I was an introvert. So, I spent a lot of time drawing pictures. Um, I wanted to have like a cartoon series when I grew up, um, mm-hmm. when I got a little bit older, but I realized like, oh, I don't know how to animate. I don't even know where people go to learn how to animate. Um, and I was like, well, maybe I have a video game. I was like, I don't know yes. how to program. So, so I was like, all I can do right now is make the music for this video game or, you know, cartoon mm-hmm. or whatever project I have that will eventually come to fruition. Um, which is a little bit strange of a thought process, but you know, worked. And Not at all. so I, uh, my older brother, he taught me how to use this software called Reason. And I also was introduced to a video game called MTV Music Generator, where you can make beats on the PlayStation. So I started experimenting in that way. And I remember showing my friends some of my stuff and they were like, this is weird. Why are you doing this? Um, but at the time, I was, I mean, I like wish that I still had this level of confidence about myself. I was like, whatever, this is un- unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You, are, I was on my Kanye West. Like, you don't even <laughs> yes. know. <laughs> Someday the world. Five beats a day for three summers. <laughs> right, exactly. For three Sorry, summers. Um, and so I was really, I felt like this is really cool. And then, and that summer before I went to college was when Kanye West College Dropout came out. And so it just changed my whole entire life. Were you here when he performed? Yes, I was. Oh. Yes, I was. He was like two hours late. I, I skipped <laughs> high school. To, I remember because it was a very big deal for me to be skipping school. Um, and I went and I saw he had like a pops collar. Um, of course. Oh my god. And he introduced John Legend. Wow. He introduced, he was like, this guy's going to be really famous Damn. one day. Wow. Wow. <laughs> John Legend went to Penn as well. And, oh, yeah. Um, I, so he, I first I'm in love with him, but not like, <laughs> like, hey, Chrissy Teigen, watch out. Kind of right. Just, like, I really love him. Um, he performed, like, he spoke at my graduation. Also, wow. he was in a, um, I know this is random, but he was in an acapella group called The Counterparts. Oh, wow. And I, so I have one of his, albums like, that he are you produced. serious yes they just like were in a box sitting somewhere like a huge ass box of crazy. all these cassettes and i was like i'm taking five that's history right there um anyway john legend kanye oh five yes. you were there john legend, amazing kanye West. um and so uh yes yeah, so i um i felt very confident about myself and then kanye west <laughs> dropped and i had like coming i grew up in ithaca new york so um I'm sure you both have kind of seen this is this is not a space where a lot of black kids are growing up. Yeah. Um, no. And so I had and, and even in terms of like um, like music, I didn't listen to a lot of hip hop at all as a kid. I listened to mm-hmm. like rock or whatever was playing on the radio here. Um, same thing with my older brother, because I felt like I, I almost felt inauthentic listening to hip hop because I didn't have a certain the experience that I saw reflected on like mm-hmm. MTV. I was like, mm-hmm. that's not my, you know, African American experience. So I thankfully this is not... no one did, but yes. I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't realize yeah. that this is, you know, of course this is <laughs> this is not everybody's experience. This is not most people's mm-hmm. experience. Um, but when Kanye West came out, it was like 
oh, here's a guy who's just like stressed about college. I'm stressed about college. <laughs> He's stressed about working in department stores and feeling like mm-hmm. he has a bigger dream to, to pursue. And he wants to make me help me work out and get in yeah, shape. Yeah, get in shape. <laughs> like, he I just spaceships. Felt... <laughs> spaceships. And it's one of my favorite songs, Spaceships. It's so yeah. beautiful. He And he, he just spoke to me. I felt like I could finally be part of the conversation around in hip hop. And mm-hmm. um, so I, he made his beats. I was like, I want to be just like him. So I started making sample-based beats and like um, kind of tracked, wanted to follow his trajectory. And Mm -hmm. then I started rapping maybe two and a half. um, It was after I graduated from undergrad and I moved to to Houston where I was a teacher. Um, I just wanted to make songs because I was really depressed about teaching at that time. Wait, so you started rapping, you were making beats first and then you started rapping. Yeah, yeah, like way before, way before I started rapping. So was it like you just started talking and then started talking to the beat or like (laughs) how did you come about to actually rap, you know, going, I'm going to rap this rather than sing it or spoken word it? Well, the thing, I have a terrible singing voice, so <laughs> I was like, I can't be a singer. I, auto-tune, though. Auto-tune. That's very, well, see, auto-tune was I mean, a little bit late. I mean, you know auto-tune now, so <laughs> what I understand. Now I can, can go back and become, become the singer that I really wanted to be. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I think, what, oh, yeah, this is what ended up happening. So I was making beats, and then I sent one to a friend to listen to. And mm-hmm. then it somehow got sent back to me with somebody else rapping on it. And I was furious. Mm-hmm. I was like, I did not yeah. authorize this. Yeah. Then I was like, because I told you I'm team petty. I was like, the only person who will ever rap over my beats is me. So, <laughs> oh, um, God. So, yes, my rap career started because I'm a petty person. But, um, <laughs> and Samoth was no, born. No, I think Samoth was born. Right, Zion? We can all relate to this. Like, yes. you've ever done something... Not because you really wanted to, but because you're like, you will not be bested like, by Like, pretty much like that, right? Yeah. 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 And you're like, just yeah. no, no, yeah. not today. It's sort of reverse psychology almost. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think so, our parents are actually the yes. real kings and queens of petty. Oh, my Because goodness. they know that we have that petty and they will, you yeah. know, like, they work still those win. switches. Right. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um, yeah, right. so I didn't, I, I didn't think like, okay, I'm going to start rapping like forever now, but I just knew in my mind, like nobody's rapping over this stuff except for me. And then when I moved to, to Houston, I was like really, um, uh, like the, the educational system, I was very naive when I moved down there. I had no idea how, um, uh, am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Oh, I've been cursing this yeah, whole time. And also okay. she talked about my crotch. So, okay, you know. yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, I had no Wait, idea how fucked we were. <laughs> I know, but just in terms of like explicit anyway. material. <laughs> Okay, good, good. Um, yes, I didn't know how fucked we were um, as far as the yes. educational system goes. And uh-huh. so I was just, it was like, I was totally shell-shocked. Um, so I, I started rapping the, at that time as like a, a form of therapy almost, mm-hmm. like a way to, to feel like I had a voice because I felt so powerless um, mm-hmm. in, in the, my school and with the other teachers. And, and another part of it was that my students, they were maybe seven or eight years old, and they would come in quoting like the craziest songs. I was like, how are you, how are you listening yeah. to this? Like, this is not appropriate. Like, I love, you know, I, I love a lot of stuff that's not appropriate, but I'm also a grown person. Um, yes. So I was grown like, Grown-ass woman, to, you can say it. It's good. Yeah, I'm a grown-ass woman. And so... <laughs> So I was like, the babies need something to listen to where I, you know, they hear about how cool it is to be a nerd or like that it's like dope mm-hmm. to do homework or whatever. So I started making this music that was infused with these elements of like how nerdiness is a cool thing. And then I discovered there were a lot of adults who kind of were into that, who were like, yeah. I, yeah, I was a nerd and I never heard anybody say these things. Mm-hmm. And I wish somebody would have talked about how cool it is to like be all up in my books um, and so that's how that kind of started. I guess, did you listen to like, I guess, do you, you've been talking a lot about your relationship to hip hop, but yeah. have you also been interested in like, I guess, nerdcore and other things? Like, yeah. I guess, do you feel a particular affinity maybe with Childish Gambino because of that? Yeah, yeah. I've heard, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot. Um, like when people are like, who do you, you fashion yourself after? They often bring up Childish Gambino as mm-hmm. being someone who represents like a, a, an alternative way of, of like presenting yourself as a black person or as a rapper, period. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's so tight. He's super tight. Um, but I didn't, I didn't think about, like I didn't realize that there was a whole world out there with other artists who were doing the same thing until mm-hmm. several years after I had started. Like um, one of my friends, he's a, a rapper named Random slash Mega Rand. Mm-hmm. He, he emailed me after I dropped my first album and he was like, hey, what's going on? I'm, 
a former teacher who's also a rapper who also likes video games and also does all this Good. stuff. And I was like, what? I thought I was yeah. original. I thought I came up with this whole, <laughs> yeah. whole thing myself. Um, and he introduced me to this whole, this nerdcore world where there are all of these artists who either like take on personas of like geeky, you know, like mm-hmm. um, comic book heroes or video game heroes, or they just, you know, talk about their experiences being like programmers or so that it's, mm-hmm. it's like music that's framed around this identity that doesn't get a um, I think a lot podcasting of has been the same. Yeah. You know, like at least. For me, like I remember when we first when we put out our very first episode, mm-hmm. it got a. I was surprised by how many people were actually listening, mm. and then we got a lot of people going like, "Oh, can we? We should do something with you." Oh, did you know about yeah. this? Like always, yeah. I'm going. Wait, there's a whole community of woke people. You mean I never <laughs> have to listen to another white person talk about something? That I'm <laughs> you mean that there's this actual community of people of color who just say what they want and yeah. feel, and this just happens in this space, and it's free, mm. and I can just do this, and I have all this content, and I can mm. actually contribute. Like yeah. it was crazy. You don't realize crazy. you don't realize how how hungry people are for those re- forms of representation it's until like you do it. Mainstream TV better watch out because this is amazing. Oh, they're scared. They're stressed out now. They have to be. They have to recognize like the the power and value of these voices. If because it, at this point, if they don't like, it's fine. We have other avenues. We're good. <laughs> we don't we care. Have, it doesn't matter what side of the screen. Like we have it. So. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I, I was wondering, um, I'm sure that this is something that comes up quite quite a lot, but talk a little bit about, like, I guess, did you grow up with the NES console? And mm-hmm. that's how you came to, yeah. to Samus, to yeah, your moniker. Yeah, you gamer, so you got <laughs> it. <laughs> that's right. Yes. <laughs> Game time. Um, so, yeah, I grew up with the, the NES console. I remember, like, some of my earliest and happiest memories are... Um, in relationship to Nintendo. Yes, and, I totally like, understand. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I remember my mom bringing it home because she had gone to a conference, I think in Montreal, or she was, where, I, she was somewhere in Canada and we Are were like waiting. We were just like <laughs> at the, like we were so hyped that she was bringing it home and she brought it in the box and like unpackaged it. And um, we played Mario and I remember, my dad is a very, he's a very stoic dude. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's like very chill and, um, and he was like giggling. He was giggling like a child oh my God. at Mario. I was like, "Oh, this thing makes him so happy." It made me so happy. Um, and so we spent a, we spent a lot of time in front of the the, the TV for better or for worse. Um, and so the video game Metroid, which is where the name Samus comes from, um, it's uh, this video game. My older brother he played. I remember I was watching, and um, if you beat it in a certain amount of time. Uh, when you get to the end of the game, the main character who has an armor suit on, the armor suit comes off, and it's a woman. Um, and as the character had always been framed as as being a man, and like I had just assumed naturally mm-hmm. that the this mm-hmm. character was a was a guy. I remember saying like, "Oh, he's he's great" or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, then you get to the end of the game, the suit comes off, and it's a woman. And it really was like impactful for to me. I, I like all of these gendered assumptions about <laughs> like men and women were sort of like thrown back in my face even as a kid. Um and so I, I think that game was was really powerful. What a was lot this of game people called again? it's called Metroid. Um and okay. the character is named Samus S A M U S. Um and and she's one of the the earliest uh, if not the earliest like um playable woman character because in Mario you mm-hmm. you save the princess and you see her but she's not she can't do anything she can't That's like true. move around That's or, so true. Um, oh and she's also a bounty hunter Liz since yes. you don't know she's like, <laughs> she her main antagonist is the mother brain yeah yeah so there's this really interesting like relationship with like motherhood it's just like a really interesting and um, different game from the other games that were around at that time. Yeah, like, Um, and also, so not only narratively, but uh, my understanding is also the construction of the game itself, like, pioneered so many things. Like, I think that one thing I really enjoy about the the Nintendo flagship games is not just that their stories are unique, but they often, like, pioneer so much technical innovation. Like, like Metroid, I think, was the first one that, like, once you, you have to, like, go back to the entire world. The whole world is interconnected. Um, Yeah, there's, like, uh, things like Metroid Prime, I think, was, like, super influential. This is like for the was N64, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Ended up pioneering so much stuff that is now like so common for first person shooters. Yeah. And yeah. It's mm-hmm. so cool. And attached to a woman as the, as the protagonist. Yeah. So. It's very, very exciting. And um, I think um, I I was very scared to take, so I spell Samus with a, another M because I don't want Nintendo to sue me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I was very scared to take on that persona because I know how beloved she is as a, as a as a character and and part of that was like 
how is the internet going to react to a black iteration of this yeah. woman? Um, because I've seen the underbelly of the internet and it is not. Yes. Uh, <laughs> right. I've been you unfortunate. Know, I was so terrified. And so it's it's a constant thing that I, I have anxiety about. Is is like for, so far I've, I've had a lot of love and uh, maybe that's me self-selecting the people I want to be around. But mm-hmm. um, I think there is, and I think there's a lot of discussion right now about fandoms and how people yeah. are, are engaging with the things that they love and, and how they deal with changes in fandoms. Like and deal. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think it's such an interesting conversation yeah, I, about... So, oh, sorry. <laughs> so I took some notes. <laughs> looking at my notes here. And um, so I looked at some of your blogs and vlogs video vlogs and then you also had some interviews and like a theme that i saw um like i just really appreciated and respected and i kind of want to hear about the process of this but Mm. there are moments where you say like i'm a great rapper and i work very hard and i feel like it's okay for me to say Mm. i'm a great rapper um (laughs) or like when you talk about things it's not that it was what you were actually talking about but it's like you're also about your business and it's and Mm. like i just know that there's this whole world there's a performance, but there's also all the preparation and, like, yeah. all the things, um, knowing, like, how to deal with your, like, status as a headliner now, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of curious, like, how did that confidence kind of evolve? Like, like, um, yeah, are you always Kanye on the outside? <laughs> no. Or it's just, like, it's, like, an outside-inside thing, like, or did it evolve yeah. and, like, to more holistic, I believe it and I am it kind of thing? Mm, that's a great, a great question. Um, I think I it, 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 <laughs> it, it evolves definitely over time. Cause I, like I said, I had this, like this inner confidence that in, when I was in high school, like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just dope. This stuff that I'm doing is super cool. And then somewhere along the way that just like fizzled out or I, it wasn't a, a part of my identity that I, I was so concerned with. Um, and so I had to, to rebuild that. And I think most of that has come from people affirming me, like people saying what you're doing is important. Or, um, yeah, like sometimes I'll get emails. I've, I've received emails from um, like parents sometimes who are like, I'm so happy that you exist. I want to show your work to my, my little black girl um, who's, who doesn't see characters that represent her. And I'm always like, there's cursing on my album. So I don't know yeah. <laughs> if you want to do all that. But I, like, I definitely am here for, for black girls. So I think um, uh, people continuing to like affirm that my presence is necessary has given me a lot of that confidence. Um, but it's still, it's still a daily struggle. I think it's not a daily struggle, but it's still a struggle that I have with my, my music. Um, I, the, I released an EP in March and mm-hmm. I was having like night sweats and, like, <laughs> and severe anxiety. Cause I just felt like, what if this, what if this falls on deaf ears? What if people feel like this? Okay. Her other stuff was cool, especially because a lot of my other stuff had been geared towards nerdcore mm-hmm. specifically, where it was right. like and I'm this talking is your from that perspective. Third EP, your third or fifth? How does? How do, I don't even know how to work. It's my second EP, but it's my fourth, fifth, fifth album, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so EP is just a shortened, like a shortened um, album. So okay. um, I had my first thing that I ever released was an EP. Then I had two albums. Then I had an EP. Then I had another EP. <laughs> All right. So that's yeah. So a, a few projects, um, and so yeah. I and I think one other part of the confidence is is like recognizing, and I'm sure you you both have have um, um, like even in the beginning of this conversation, you were like, should we put doctor in front? Should we say that? You know, it's like yeah. when I, when I it's important for me to own that. It's mm-hmm. a very very important for me to own that because like. Um, people don't expect that. People don't expect or are like um, scared <laughs> when mm-hmm. we take ownership of things, and that's important. I think it's important to to have um, confidence if you're part of any group that is not typically um, uh, sort of affirmed in the spaces that we're mm-hmm. in. And I, I think this gets back to what I wanted to bring up earlier when we were talking about geekdom: is that yeah. like the place of headcanon is so important for women and women of color like yeah. us when we love things in geekdom because we're not represented and yeah. um, a little bit more context about the Samus character because wasn't familiar with her she's blonde and blue eyed she has she has blonde she's, hair blue eyes she, yeah. she looks like a supermodel like no, she wasn't originally <laughs> like that but like, that's what she looks like she now. evolved and she you know she's mm-hmm. tall and thin and, and all of these things um and 
so yeah, I think that there's this anxiety around like claiming that that um, person and then turning her into like unapologetic black woman. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like I was like, okay, we'll see how this goes. But yeah, um, and I have somebody. I remember people. Some people tweeted at me like, Samus isn't black. What is course, this? You know, course. I got the obligatory, and I was like, well, Samus is just like one Idris Elba's in Thor, right? Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Idris, like Samus wasn't also real. Like, yeah. let's also think about that aspect of it, okay? Yeah, yeah. it's sort of like the same, the same nerds that complain about how realistic, say, like, sword oh fighting gosh. is will, like, be so nitpicky about whether or not they're people of color in, like, some right. medical setting, you like, know? black people can't exist in this universe, yeah. but there are lasers black that peek come out of people's people hands. lost yeah. their minds. Oh, they lost black it. Black Hermione. Oh, they lost God. it. The, the, it's... The discussions online can be can be very scary. Or Rue, who was actually us. black. In the I know world. that was ridiculous. Oh my god! Um, but uh, yeah, uh, that y'all can't see this. Me but angry. Anango just gave the best head roll. Oh, it's it was it's just awful. But I think it's also interesting. Like sometimes we have we try to read race into characters as a way of like self preservation. Because like yeah. for like one thing I've. Um, like, for example, like in Dragon Ball Z, what yeah. I think is really interesting, like this whole discourse that this one character, Piccolo, who's this alien from Namek, who's yeah. green, a lot of people read him as black. As black, yeah. Um, <laughs> or like for me growing up, it's like any character that had dark hair, I was like, yeah. she could potentially be Asian. So yeah. like, you know, you want, you want to try and claim these things that even, you know, they're not made for you, try to alter it to try and find a space for yourself. Yeah. That's right? so true. And that speaks, I think, to the lack of characters that, yeah. that reflect yeah. our experiences. And I remember any, any playable woman character i always you had was to, like i had i have to, had to be represent that them yeah it's like Street okay Chun -Li, Chun -Li. you got it you can be gotta pick those yeah. two or um like even uh, ivy and soul caliber yeah <laughs> you you like struggle like grasping at whatever is there that you can like work with and i yeah. think yeah. um i so definitely I think i was drawn to science fiction and, and yeah. fantasy because it was made up and i felt yeah. like if it was made up then i it would be harder for me to not feel like I didn't belong there because mm. nobody belongs there and none yeah. of this stuff should really be happening yeah that's um, so true I, it just occurred to me that might have been why I like fantasy so much as a kid mm -hmm. Mm. I think I think that makes a lot of sense but then, rather than reading about like yeah. what um was it that Marley the girl who with like a thousand books um uh, there's a, a nine-year-old who's going oh, yeah, around that collecting project, like books the, the hashtag like, thousand books with black women or, yeah. like stories oh, where wow. black women are the protagonists of the story Wow. Anyway, she's, when asked why she does it, she says because she got tired of reading about white boys. Oh yeah, okay, find I did dog. see that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to find the dog? <laughs> Some, the shade is so real. <laughs> I know it starts in the early age. I love it. I love it. So I wanted to say at some point that um, one of your songs from your current. Uh, EP and Fusion, mm -hmm. uh, Mighty Morphing. I thought yes. it was just so <laughs> cool and. Um, just talking about how black, you're more than four things, you yeah, know, yeah. and you can be so many things, like, especially as a black woman, you may get kind of stereotyped in this one thing. And it made me think immediately of the story. Um, in 2013, I was with some friends. Mm -hmm. I was in D.C. We were partying. So it's really late at night. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the bars are closing. So you go outside and find some other place to go. It was like, that's mm -hmm. kind of like really happy night. So I'm with my friends and they're <laughs> trying to get to the bathroom and subway and then I see this live band performing and they had, I don't know why, but they had like dancers and they had like, you know, mm -hmm. someone for a trombone and a good trumpet and you know, there's a crowd there and I'm like, I'm going over there. And so I run over to the band. I'm like dancing and jumping up and down and kind of singing. Mm -hmm. And my friends come get me because I kind of ran off really abruptly and they kind of like <laughs> came back to get me. And I look at them and it wasn't like nothing really prompted this. But I said, like, I study physics and I can also twerk and I can dance like these people. <laughs> yes, yes. I think it was just something in my head. It was like the space that I was in, the people I was with mm -hmm. and just being like an academic and um, mm -hmm. being like a black woman in physics, but also here, remember when I told you again, like my aspiration as a child was really, oh, yeah. I just wanted to drop it in a band. I like, I just really enjoyed the music and like the camaraderie and also the dancing and yeah. kind of feeling those worlds somehow were not allowed for me to have them intersect. But on that street corner, I was like, look at my friends like, I can do both of these things. Yes, There's nothing yes. wrong with this. I am equally smart. And I also want to twerk on the street in DC right now. 
And they were looking at me like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) we know you, we've known you. (laughs) Like, I just had to let y'all know in case you forgot. In case you forgot, there's a, why I crossed the street. And you know, like most of them, I was with white people. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. I I love them. They're they're my Mm -hmm. friends. But I just really thought of like that moment kind of clicked in my head. Because it yeah. probably didn't click for me. I didn't realize I was trying to keep them separate. But it, yeah, mm. your so your your songs definitely have this sort of story. You know, it was it's just so real. It's so true. Like, oh my goodness. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, and that that came about. I think from a lot of. I mean, there's obviously like a childhood component in that. In terms of growing up as a black kid in Ithaca, like yeah. I, you know. I'm just thankful I don't have even, I didn't have as many identity crises as I could have because it was like, you know, I would hear from from some kids, like, you talk white, but then other kids would be like, you're really dark or like, so yeah. I just, I had so much going on in my head as a, as a kid. And then of course, you know, consuming all of this media that doesn't reflect you at all. So you just feel at like all. an alien. Um, and so I think there's that part of dealing with all of these different like identity points that you're not sure what where to, where you even fall but mm-hmm. i think as an adult even as a performer it's something that i encounter because um like people will often say you're a conscious rapper you talk mm-hmm. about like real real issues but then it's like but what if i want to talk about sex or twerking or like right. I, mm-hmm. these are also part of your life that are, right, people's lives right mm-hmm. parts of people's lives parts of our experiences we are able to like lots of things at mm-hmm. the same time and so i think i was feeling this frustration of people being like Oh, you're. I like you because you're this type of rapper, and you're not that type. Oh, of rapper. so it's like this respectability politics. Respectability, oh, exactly. Being kind of. pulled into this, like, oh, well, you don't show your body like Nicki Minaj, or you don't do this like this person, and it's like, well, I don't like. I cannot like an artist because I don't like how they rap or how they sing. But I'm not gonna sit here and and act like I don't go out and twerk too because I right. love to do that. <laughs> and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And so I was just getting very frustrated, I think, about the the policing that I mm-hmm. felt like going around my that mm-hmm. was that was emerging around my identity as like a, an artist or um and the, the song was even inspired from inspired by a friend of mine who was told like um, you know, gangster rap is the most authentic form of rap music, and oh, <laughs> authentic, and, and the most authentic <laughs> form of rap music. And he uh. was like, "That you know, that's not my experience. I can, you know, in the same way that Kanye West inspired me to to talk about my my experience as a, a valid experience that can be represented in this art form. I think there people are very quick, especially I think for women, to to put them in like a box of this is what." you you um, represent for me and I don't want to see you deviate from that like yeah how dare you have twists one day and a weave the next day and, oh, my and, God. <laughs> oh my God. and you know like how dare you have different hairstyles how dare you wear a dress one day and pants the next day how, you know all of these or how dare you wear hair that's like, not yours like do you not oh, love how yourself dare, oh my gosh like, that whole and discussion. what we do of love <laughs> this is such... like please please don't even <laughs> Just I just like doing stuff. I just like right. changing stuff up. Like don't you wear different live. color shirts every day? Don't you like mm-hmm. like painting your fingernails sometimes? Don't you like right. doing these other things? Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's definitely a thing that a lot of um, my my friends have reflected has happened to them in their own experiences and um, from different walks of life, different you know different racial backgrounds. They all have have reflected that like yeah I I've been put in boxes in my in their own own sort of way. Maybe um, I would love to for us to talk about 1080p because of course yeah, a lot yeah. of our listeners are in the academic world yes. and um, just how personal and how raw and how damn smart it is like well, <laughs> yeah. like I just love opening lines about like all these old nerds you know writing books that no one reads is like and their oh sweater vest is like oh this this is our lives is this is our I lives. was in my office I had to take a walk I had to walk around the floor like yes too many yeses to like sit still. <laughs> oh my god yes like and it's such a bold like for those of you who are listening who have not seen the music video you have to go see it like she opening shot like um showing her, her medication things like that like it's just yeah. such a brave thing that i think resonated with so many of us because even as even though i think that it's becoming like more culturally acceptable mm-hmm. for to talk about mental health and academia still it's sort of like trendy but people don't really want to talk about the really there. like the real bit parts of it and yeah the like, aspect of it that's just not not really easy to engage with. <laughs> um, so I'm a. I'm so happy that that 
you both that it resonated with you. Um, yeah, yeah. Liz posted today on Facebook what the I you really liked the line like about like getting it. my ass to some therapy. Yeah. <laughs> right, and the design so was like, yes. like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted yeah, to like PM it to people, like just send it. Like here you go. Listen Aww. to this. Yes, I mean, and I feel like that, like you are kind of my the demographic that I wanted to speak to and speak for um, in in that that song because it's not it's it's definitely not an experience I had ever heard reflected in in like a rap song before. I don't know if there are mm-hmm. there. I'm uh, bitch bitch magazine. They do like a different like playlists they put together different playlists and they put one together on on like mental health and songs that talk about um, mental health so I'll have to go back and look through it but um so the the song really for me um when I talked to people about how it came about I just was in such a low place that I like could not I could not move forward until I got that out and I was very much feeling like I wasn't being honest with um like I was very tired of engaging with people on a, on a really surface level. I'm like, oh, how's everything going? Everything's going great. Uh, you know, I love, I love my department. I love my, everything's perfect. And yeah, then I would go home yeah. and just feel like I, I have this weight in my chest. I don't know if I, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be here. I don't know if I'm smart enough to be here. I don't know if like it's worth it. I had all of these, these questions. I didn't feel like I had anywhere that I could, yeah. could put them. Um, and so actually the song was made in like two, two waves, like the first verse and second verse, mm-hmm. I didn't write it. For, they were like months apart because like, I really had to get better until See, I that was how real verse. your song was. You actually said this is two months apart, like a few months yeah. later in your second verse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it, the, the first verse really came from like a, just needing to feeling like I could be free if I could be honest finally. Um, and I think we talked a little bit about this with just like my upbringing, I, like, I love my parents to pieces, but I think um, a big part of their ethos is, like, you know, keep it private. Whatever's going on. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, you just, people don't need to see. And I understand where that comes from. Like, there, there's a reason to be mistrustful of institutions knowing what's going on with mm-hmm. you or people, you know, having information about you. So I, I know where that comes from, but I also feel like it can create such a toxic, such a toxic like headspace yeah. when you're going through something and the first thing you think about is like, what will people think of me if I reveal that I'm, God forbid, human? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I could not deal with that weight anymore. And part mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like talking to a therapist, help, what helped me to, is what helped me to realize that like, if somebody is going to judge me or, or like, feel like this is a, a reason why we can't interact. And that's not a person who was ever there for me anyways. Yeah. If, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah. 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 And I like, I feel that on that note, um, I've been trying in the sort of mentoring I've been doing for like, especially like junior undergrads, mm-hmm. well, both undergrads and people who are earlier on in the grad program is like telling them like, it's, it's hard on everyone's mental health to go through graduate school no matter what happens. Yeah. And like one thing I try to say is like, sometimes it's not writer's block, sometimes it's depression. Oh, like, yeah. And that's totally and knowing that when there's a difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, I think that especially when you, people hit dissertation writing like that, mm. um, obviously like, like the A exams are like one big thing mm. and like the dissertation writing is another thing. But like, I mean, everyone, no matter what you're going through, like we should, we tend to our physical health, you should attend to our mental health. Yeah, um, yeah. It's so That's important. So, I so always important. chose mental health over everything. If I had it, I was like, hey, to my advisor, um, I have therapy right now. I'm going. And mm. I think that That's so I want to say that that's a space that a lot of students would feel comfortable doing. But I think that because my crisis was so public, um, mm. like my whole department, everyone knew whether I wanted them to yeah. or not. They all like yeah. saw me. They, they knew. Um, and so... And there was this way in which it was like, okay, you do whatever you need to. And I don't think that, like, I guess what I'm saying is it was really extreme and it was really public and open, but a lot of people are suffering in ways that aren't so Mm -hmm. public. Maybe someone passed away, but it was at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe Mm -hmm. no one passed Mm -hmm. away. You're just losing a relationship or something or a, a pet. And that's also like can cause the same like emotional response but it but no one's gonna say oh you know what take all the time you need I totally understand yeah. the way that yeah yeah there, there are different levels definitely I've, I've received so many emails I've received so many emails from people who are like I decided to go to therapy after mm. like hearing the song oh, yeah, or I like so I like have reached the breaking point and this pushed me to go do the thing that I have been putting off and so like 
I don't want to get emotional now, but <laughs> it's it definitely. I think it's, we talked a little bit about confidence. Like it affirms for me, like okay, this is this is important. This is yeah. something that um, originally was just for my own healing, but I'm realizing that this is mm -hmm. an experience that that a lot of us um, yeah. need to like deal with. Right. Yeah, I found it so cathartic, not just to like I, like, I already found it cathartic to like just watch the music video version, but when I, every time I've seen you perform, I always end up tearing up because I'm like, yes, <laughs> I understand this completely. And you know I start crying too. <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> oh, one day yes. we're all, we're gonna be in the same space and I'll get to see yes. you perform. And we're just bawling. We'll cry, like, we'll just cry together. I'm like, well, how do you together. balance this? Like, there's, I mean, I won't say calling, I don't know if, what that, if that renders different responses, but this is obviously like a very important thing in your life and very fulfilling, you know, but you're also still a graduate student, you know, like how oh, do yeah. you manage that? Okay. And not only that, but she's also what, an RHD on North? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. You have to take care of all the babies and your TA. <laughs> all like, the I mean, tell me about that balance. Um, well, I'll say that there is no balance. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there is just no balance. Um, this past semester, like, whooped my ass. It whooped my ass. And so I'll just be candid about mm. that. Um, but I think um, I've been fortunate to have, like, um, that, like, as my music career has picked up steam, I've been able to be in positions of relative, like, flexibility mm -hmm. within the, the PhD program. So, like, my, the way my department works is, you know, first year you just take classes, second and third year you're taking classes and um, TAing, then fourth, after I, I took my A exams. Um, and so, like, after taking my A exams, I felt, like, relief in the mm -hmm. sense that it was like there's something, that I've done something right, right. here, um, but also that there's, um, you know, room to, like, work on my music in a way that I don't think I would have been able to my first couple of years because I was still very much trying to like what figure out what now? it means to even be a PhD student. So I'm entering into my sixth year. Yep. Um, I just finished my fifth okay. year. Um, and so I, uh, it ha yeah, it hasn't really been very much of a balance. It's like I do what I can when I can do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and music-wise, that has meant like taking, well, not just music-wise, I think in every aspect, it's like... Um, you know, if I'm on a I'm on a, a flight to go to a show, I'm going to be grading papers or I'm going to be reading something oh in the hotel room. And so it, it definitely has meant sacrifice. And um, it's been hard at, at times. I remember being at like a, a con, like a, what was it called? Uh, Orlando Nerd Fest or something like that. <laughs> and I was in, and it was right before I took my A exams. So oh my I was God. just in my hotel room and everyone was, all my friends were like, my music friends were texting me like, we're downstairs, party. And I was like, I don't need, this is not helping me. Like, <laughs> I'm upstairs reading and stressing and thinking that my life is, is just like in shambles right now. Um, and, you know, I was up there just crying and reading and writing, crying and reading, writing. <laughs> and then I would go down and do my performance and then go back in the hotel room and cry and read <laughs> yeah. and write. Um, so it's, it, it, it's definitely, you know, come down a little bit, I think, in terms of me balancing things and me knowing when to say no to things. Mm. Um, Both academic and music, I'm guessing. Academically and musically, yeah. Um, like, I used to take, anytime I had a gig, I would just take it, like, so in my, my fresh freshman my freshman year of grad school my <laughs> freshman sometimes so. I know yeah. oh my gosh starting over <laughs> my first year of grad school I remember I would take shows in New York City and like you know drive the five hours there then drive the five hours back because oh, I had a class that and like oh. now I don't I don't do that mess I'm like okay unless it's a very lucrative opportunity or I really feel like it's going to do something big for for where I'm at I'm not going to take it because it just doesn't it's I have to preserve myself <laughs> yeah. can't but like you know and so it's the same thing with um you know if there's a, a great great conference and my advisor's like you need to to submit to this if I feel like it fits into the grand scheme of things then I'll do it but if not then I won't <laughs> and I, I felt very like free from that I don't know if this is me being naive and I'm, I'm about to be like hit in the face no. with, with like cold reality but right now I think just saying yes to things that I feel comfortable mm -hmm. with and no to things I don't is 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 really helping me to like reform yeah. how I my life basically I think that's that's so true and I, I kind of also want to plug or say that oftentimes I think when we reflect on our younger selves and go like mm -hmm. well how can we say yes to everything and how can you know like we, we're hard on mm -hmm. ourselves and I think 
it's actually part of the process. Like you learn how to say no because one, you're developing, Mm. you're learning what's important to you and what's not important. And the other thing is you're also just learning. You can't, you're learning what your limit is and what you can and cannot do. And those are just not things that you know implicitly um, coming Mm -hmm. from either high school or undergrad Mm -hmm. where we're kind of taught to be great at everything. Yeah. And, oh, de- oh, definitely. Which is just yeah. to, to be agreeable, that, like, should, especially as women, that yeah. we, should, we should be, yeah, we have to be easier nice on ourselves. Like, yeah. so there's a reason why we're like 28, 30, or however old it is when people reset epiphany. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you're learning, and uh, you probably wouldn't have done That's it sooner true. because you didn't reach your limit. Like, I thought I could do everything, and then mm-hmm. I had. So I kept. If you think you can do everything, then you obviously keep adding more because you yeah. think you can do it, and it's not until you reach that point of like, oh. This, this this is not, I'm about to break down. Like, that's yeah. what you learn. You know, if you keep doing that and you don't change, then, then that's a problem, but... Mm-hmm. This is like conversations that Liz and I have been having about dating as oh, well. God. Oh, God. Let me be honest. That's a fun world. Oh, God. But, yeah, I think that what you just said about, um, like, being a woman and this, like, this having to be like agreeable or like nice Mm -hmm. I have had this issue with like um people asking me for like thing music related stuff Mm -hmm. sometimes um and not wanting to be like me come across as like mean and like I have friends like male friends who like no that's stupid like (laughs) tell them no (laughs) and for me I'm like I'm like anxious because I somebody told me I forget it got back to me that some dude was going around being like oh she thinks she's too good for oh, she's like really stuck up God. i was like where does that mm-hmm. come where did that come from where did that come from like i never i never hear my dude friends being mm-hmm. referred to as stuck up like yeah so yeah this this connotation of like stuck up mm-hmm. um really bothered me and um you know some of my friends were like forget that's not that serious but it annoyed me because i was like that's not even who i am like i felt like i had to defend myself yeah. mm-hmm. um and so i'm i'm I think this idea of being able to say no, there's definitely like a gendered aspect of how, who you know, you're quickly, quickly called a bitch or like whatever, you know, for, for asserting yourself in a lot of these spaces. Um, so, yeah. yeah. For me, yeah. it always reminds me of like the classic Nicki Minaj, the pickle juice yeah. conversation, oh, yeah. like exactly yeah, like, yeah. you know, you're a bitch because you demand more than pickle juice, but if you didn't demand any more, then like you just say that, that's what you're worth. That's what you're worth, yeah. And that's the realness, like it's, it's a struggle, but I'm learning how to tell people, nope. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't think it gets easier. Yeah. But for me, it's like I have like a little cheerleader in my head that's kind of <laughs> like, this is how I feel. It's like I'm, I let my feelings be, but then I think about my responses to people. Yeah. And sometimes I want to say, like, well, I don't have the courage to say what I want to say, and I have to build up to it. Yeah. 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 And you go, like, Definitely. no, that's not okay. Yeah. Or sometimes yeah. I feel like that's what the role of having good friends like Liz is about. Yeah. Like, because sometimes we experience things, then we have to, like, check in with, like, is it okay that, like, is like this was, was I mean? Or, like, I was like, no, he was an asshole there. <laughs> you are allowed to be, like, or you make a decision and you have to seek some sort of validation because yes. even when you make that choice, it's so hard to to commit to it because it goes against so many things about how you're being told you should behave. Yeah, that's the truth. I just had a conversation this morning because I had to send a a not so nice email and I was like, I called two people. I was like, is it, am I like, is it me? And they were like, no, no. So that's, that is definitely a necessary part of building up that. Yeah. Actually, this is so funny because I have a, a male colleague and he actually does, he'll, he'll write an email and ask me to read it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, is this, does this sound like too mean or whatever? <laughs> and the thing about it is I'll yes. read it. And it absolutely sounds like, like he said he toned something down. He didn't tone anything down. Like, no, nothing. this is actually. And then when I, so I will tell him, but then he goes, you know what? I'm going to send it anyway. Cause that's what I want to say. Yeah. And I'm like, there you go. Like I would, I would have toned it down more. <laughs> I see. Yeah. What a contrast as opposed to something you showed me very recently, Liz, where you're like, I was so mean. I was reading it like, what are you talking about? You were mean. You were way yeah. too nice to this guy. Okay. I don't know if it's different, but the tone of my message wasn't mean. I wasn't referring to like okay. what I was saying then as being mean. I was referring to when I was there with him. Oh, okay. No, no, no. What I said was not mean at all. It was like more than gracious for him. Oh yeah. You, he <laughs> deserved, no. you know, you were way too nice. It was, <laughs> it was more than gracious. And then also like, uh, I feel sorry for like 
your mother and like and like yeah, yeah. anyway i try not to get petty <laughs> but i try like don't even my just head, succumb to the pettiness say. just succumb it's easier i want to say so much so much yeah that's so funny dating trying to date again um ananga where do you see yourself going with all of this like do yeah. you ever think of do you think you'll be either fully music one day or academic? Mm-hmm. What, what do you see? My hope is to be able to continue kind of bouncing around between the different universes. Um, so in my mind, I would love to get to have an appointment at a school, but as like an artist. So like an artist in residence cool. yeah. um, type of situation, because I think there are things to be gained from being in an academic context and academic space in terms of support, but also um, like I like I like working with students. I really do. Um, I feel like I'm uh, uh, equipped to talk about like my artistic process in the same way that I can talk about like science and technology studies. And I would love to be able to teach in that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so something connected to an institution, um, but not sort of a formal like professor position. I think would be like my ideal world for me. I'm you know I don't know how how accessible that is, but I'm going to keep, you know, fighting mm. for it and imagining that it exists. Yes, as yes. we fight for our own Ooh. spaces. See, and... like, okay, like, our dream, so Liz and I like to talk about our dream institution yeah. where yeah. we're both there together. Yeah, and like, of in, course. In our dream, we could, like, you could be there at our course, artist I'd residence. Of course, I'd love to come to your dream. Our, our, yeah. Maybe my staff will hire, you know. <laughs> I can reimagine that, so. Of course, of course. Um, maybe also, are there any current or upcoming projects you'd like oh, to yeah. promote? Um, so yes, there are. Um, so I am, I just dropped an EP in March. It's called Infusion. It's six tracks. Um, and it includes the 1080p and Mighty Morphin, which we talked about and some other tracks about growing up and, and all those things. And then, um, in October, I'll be releasing a full length album. Um, so I'm really excited about that. (laughs) Um, and it's the first time that I have, um, like feet, like other featured, like a lot of other artists kind of involved. I'm, I'm not very good at collaborating typically, at least as far as music is concerned. Mm -hmm. So I was like, let me, (laughs) let me open myself up to that a little bit more. So, um, there's definitely, um, like verses and things from people that I respect and admire. So I'm really, really excited to share that. Um, and I did also want to share that, um, my, who has a book Yay. that <laughs> has Ooh. two books that have just been published. They're YA books um, that prominently feature um, kids of color. Um, it's a series called Black Top. And, I know who um, this is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, I'm, I'm blessing if, uh, <laughs> for those who okay, that's, can't see. Um, but the series was just published yet yesterday. Um, and it's the first two books and the next two are coming at, at some point. But I did want to share those because he's been having like daily anxiety attacks oh, it, looks, it looks awesome i saw the, the amazon links that you posted we could also yeah. like attach that to this episode yeah, oh that would be awesome yeah. and we awesome. didn't mention it but you can find her music on soundcloud and itunes yeah. i found it i'm gonna buy it on itunes oh, actually i wanted a physical copy that's why i haven't done it yet yeah i might that um, but um mm-hmm. this is been the PhD um, we're so excited that you guys got to listen to us as always check out our content on SoundCloud under PhD podcast as well as on Twitter and Facebook and yeah. that's Dr. Zion and Liz signing out so happy to have Santa aka Nongo or what, what are you what are you talking about now nothing okay anyways let's, let's stop the stop the awkwardness I hope that we'll have the chance to also hang out the three of us in person sometimes yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, thank you so okay. much okay. and signing off bye, bye.